set of Breton tunes there from Senor Cabrales and uh, this year's Australian Celtic Festival will feature the nation's Brittany, Cornwall and Wales. And I'm very excited this morning. I'm doing my first ever studio interview. I have with me the chair of the Australian Standing Stones Management Board, Judy Toms. Judy will be well known to many around Glen Innes, I'm sure. Um, And Judy's going to talk to us a little bit about the festival. And the first question I have for Judy is, we feature some nations every year. What does that mean? How does that, why do we do that? When Gladiness was first, uh, well, first of all, good morning, Pamela. Um, when Gladiness first uh, decided to hold the festival, it was on the back of the um, erection of the Australian Standing Stones, and the committee at the time decided that they would have some sort of celebration each year. And because it is a national monument to Celtic heritage, it was felt that that celebration didn't need to focus just on one particular country. So um, you you can argue that Celts came from many, many parts of the world. Um, The six major ones that we acknowledge here in Glen Innes are uh, Scotland, Ireland, the Isle of Man, Cornwall, Brittany and Wales. And then we also do incorporate with that the um, Galician and Asturias area of uh, Spain. So the... One of the unique features of our festival is that it is encompassing. It's not just a Scottish gathering uh, or a particularly Irish music festival, for instance. So that's why each year we have a rotational session of the featured nations. It gives um, both community here and communities abroad a central meeting place to have more education, cultural education around Celticness and what the individual features of those Celtic nations are that bring to the whole flavour of um, the Celtic experience. So it is a point of difference for the Glen Innes Festival that it's not just a music festival, for instance, of Celtic music. It also is an educational experience and the cultural experience with that as well through food, um, you know, their arts and crafts, all of those sorts of things too. That's wonderful. And, um, of course, I'm very excited about, you know, I love my Celtic music. That's why I'm here. But I'm also very interested in all of those cultural features and also the language. And I think we'll have um, some, at least some representation of um, the languages of Cornwall, Wales and Brittany at the festival this year, which is also very exciting. And I understand that one of um, our honoured guests this year is actually um, a bit of a specialist in the Breton language. And this this um having honored guests at the ceremony at the um festivals another interesting feature um so can you tell us a little bit about this year's honored guests and and what they'll be doing well, the idea of the honoured guests, again, is that uh, educational side of things and it spreads the word about Glen Innes. Um, we've had honoured guests from overseas and all around Australia. So this year we're very privileged to have two Breton uh, people, one uh, Dr Pierre Noyer from Sydney and the other one is Jean-Pierre Leloc from Sydney as well. Um, Pierre Noyer is, uh, a doc- has a doctorate in languages and the Breton language. He's going 
going to be doing a workshop at the Celtic Symposium, which will operate in the Emerald Marquee over the weekend of the festival. And he'll be speaking specifically about language. So um, I've spoken to both gentlemen. They have beautiful accents. And uh, I think that's always a, a wonderful cultural element that it brings to the festival that you hear all of these um, beautiful accents as well. So um, Pierre will talk about uh, the language and Jean-Pierre Leloc is also going to do um, a talk at the symposium. Uh, we were going to have uh, Professor Philip Payton, um, Professor um, in Humanities at Flinders University in Adelaide. He's a Cornishman and he was to represent the Cornish Association and the Cornish people. Unfortunately, due to um, some unforeseen circumstances, his end, he has now had to regretfully pull out of being here and just uh, speaking to him, he's certainly extremely disappointed about that. Um, Chris Dunkley, who is the Secretary Secretary of the Cornish Association of New South Wales will uh, also be present along with Joy Dunkley, the President. And Chris always runs the Cornish ceremony on the Sunday morning. The Sunday morning there is a series of ceremonies held by each of the nations and Chris is a Cornish bard uh, and you'll hear the beautiful lilt of the Cornish language from his mouth as well. Um, and the Welsh people will also have a, a ceremony that... Um, Sunday morning um, and you will also hear the Welsh spoken there as well. As part of the cultural side, the elements of the festival, we this year there is a Cornish pasty competition. Everyone, there's, there are more things to Cornwall than the Cornish <laughs> pasty, but uh, it's certainly synonymous. So, uh, yeah, there'll be a Cornish pasty competition. So go along to the Emerald Marquee and have a look at the variety of Cornish pasties. But I'm, I'm sure in these circumstances with the Celtic Festival and honouring Cornwall, uh, it needs to be a fairly traditional recipe, I think, to be up there. But, uh, yeah, that, that element of the honoured guests is always a very special side of things and it shows cases the Gleninus Highlands further afield to those people when they then travel back to their home um, but it also gives us the opportunity to showcase what we are doing here and th really the Celtic activity here in Gleninus is extremely active um, probably more so through COVID than has been able to have occurred elsewhere in Australia particularly Sydney with the Celtic Council of Australia and their functions simply because we've been a little bit more open for business than uh, Sydney with their lockdowns. Very lucky indeed aren't we? Yes we've had um, since I've been here we've had some fantastic functions I think of um, St Andrew's Day and St Patrick's Day the St Piran's Day flag lowering really well attended and lots of interest in them so that's fantastic. Now at the festival um, obviously people are familiar with the fact that we have lots of um, bands coming and there's constant music and dance throughout the weekend and I've been playing um, bands that are going to be attending the festival this morning but there are other elements that happen at the festival that are perhaps a little less well known and you mentioned in passing um, some ceremonies and there's a ceremony for each of the Celtic nations isn't there can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah so the ceremonies uh, for each of the Celtic nations run on the Sunday morning and again it gives the opportunity to give a little bit more education about that particular Celtic nation, uh, listen to the language, that sort of thing as well. The idea of that came about um, originally with the the Celtic Festival was a meeting place for the Celtic Council of Australia that was very much the 
driving force and, and body behind Glen Innes actually having the stones in the first place. So they are an integral part of our standing stones. So the idea of the Celtic nations was to honour each of the um, nations at the festival and, as I said, that educational side of things and giving more information to people mm-hmm. as well. It gives a lot of uh, colour, the... Uh, wearing of your traditional costumes and that again is an educational side of it. The having a featured nation each year too also allows schools to participate and learn about those particular Celtic nations each year. So this year for instance with the three nations it, it gives schools the opportunity to focus their history content for instance on those nations, uh, dance, art, music. So it opens up a lot of avenues for education much more widely uh, than just at the festival on those two days of the weekend. So, yes, those Celtic Nations festivals, um, Celtic Nations ceremonies start at 9.30 on the Sunday morning. They go through to the Scottish one at 11.30 held on Tinwald Hill, which is sort of the ceremonial hill of uh, the Standing Stones. And then that contingent is piped into the stone circle ready for the kirking of the tartan at 12 noon on Sunday. And that's quite a spectacle, isn't it? The the pipe bands and the flags and the tartans everywhere. It's always something to look forward to. Um, there are... You mentioned the Kirken of the Tartan. There's also some other ceremonies that aren't nation-specific, aren't there? Which ones are yes, when the Standing Stones was first set up, there was a group of people acknowledged for their contribution and their commitment in from a whole variety of avenues and they became the guardians of the Standing Stones and they're a group of people that are very committed to the Standing Stones site, what it brings not only to Glen Innes but also to the Celtic community within Australia and acknowledging Celtic heritage in Australia and those guardians meet annually at the Celtic Festival they have a luncheon on the Friday after the opening ceremony in the main street and then on the Saturday at 1pm they are part into the circle if there are any new guardians to be inducted that happens at that ceremony the if there are any Celtic honours to be awarded they are also presented at that ceremony and it gives the guardians an opportunity to renew their vows so to speak to their commitment reconnect and recommit to their uh, to the what they do and the work that they do to support the standing stones and so the Guardians are quite a, an interesting feature. They come from all over, don't they? They're not just from Glen Innes. No, they're not just from Glen Innes. And there's actually three groups of Guardians. The, we have a group called the Life Guardians, and they were the ones that were first inducted on the 1st of February 1992 at the very first ceremony, which is when the Standing Stones were officially dedicated. And those people held that position for life. They obviously uh, are not replaced as such because... There's a limited number of those people. There are also a group of people that hold a guardianship of the Standing Stones by way of office. For instance, the Mayor of Glen Innes Seven Council is always the Chief Guardian and the Convener of the Celtic Council of Australia is always the Deputy Chief Guardian. There are also people in that uh, role of um, holding guardianship by office that, for instance, would be the... Um, president, say, of the Irish Association of New South Wales or the Welsh Association. So there are Celtic Nations guardians. So once people step down from that office, they no longer hold a guardianship. It's only by way of office. The Mayor of Mossman, for instance, in Sydney also holds a role of guardian, and that's because Glen Innes has a friendship agreement with Mossman in Sydney. 
the other group of guardians are people that are appointed by the Standing Stones Management Board um, that show great dedication and commitment to the Standing Stones. Fantastic. And um, you referred to the life guardians who were in at the start, so to speak, in, in 1992 when, when it all began. Um, presumably a lot of those are no longer with us. Yeah, sadly, that's that's correct, Pamela. And one uh, quite notable uh, guardian, life guardian was to- uh, Roger Thomas, who passed away last year. Roger was a, a very, very regular attendee at the festival. And Roger was bestowed a life guardianship because he was part of the Celtic Council of Australia at the time of the Standing Stones project when the Celtic Council were looking for a place to have a monument for all Celts and Roger was very much a driver of Gleniness having the stones and supporting that quite strongly. Both he and his wife Sue have supported that for many, many, many years and was an absolute pleasure on recommendation of the of the Standing Stones Management Board that Sue Thomas was made a guardian in her own right at the 1st of February function that we had this year. Yes, that was wonderful. Roger and Sue are old friends of mine as well. So um, now the, the guardians who have passed away, we have, and, and other people as well who've contributed to the history of the Standing Stones and the festival, we have ways of, of um, commemorating them, don't we? Yes, there uh, again on Tinwood Hill, the ceremonial hill, there is a rock there that we have known as the Rock of Remembrance and it acknowledges people that, um, you know, have, have passed away but have certainly shown commitment over many, many years. And on the Saturday of the festival this year at 12 noon, we will have a ceremony there to acknowledge... Um, Barry Gray, who a local who has passed away and was a guardian of the stones, Colin Lute, uh, Roger Thomas will also be acknowledged at that, and uh, Piper Russell Scott, who has worked tirelessly throughout the Gleninus Pipe Band, but also for the Standing Stones and contributed greatly. That's wonderful. It's always lovely to think that those past contributors are still with us in some way. Um, Judy, I wanted to, to ask you also just generally about the Celtic background of Glen Innes and um, to what extent the, the way that Glen Innes was founded, we assume, by some Celtic people. Maybe you can tell us a bit about that and, and how that's, whether that's continuing or whether there's a renewed interest in Celtic matters and Celtic culture around town. What can you tell us about that? There certainly is a renewed interest, I think, and I find it quite amazing just uh, through the History House, the number of people that do come to Glen Innes specifically to find out their family history and the vast majority of white Anglo-Saxon people will have some Scottish or Irish as a minimum. Um, The area here, the first white settlers mainly had Scottish background. There were uh, some Cornish and some Welsh. Uh, The um, area through Dundee, there was a lot of uh, German heritage through there, and um, as we know, looking at sort of ancient Celtic history, there's a lot of Celts are you know, that area, th- many areas through Germany and um, Holstadt through there that, that can be traced back to there as well. So, um, major. Innes, Archibald Innes was one of the early uh, white explorers up through this area with Archibald Mossman and the they took up land throughout this area, um, very much the Scottish background and Mossman was actually the man that suggested the Glen Innes area should be named after Major Innes. So that 
obviously occurred because we're now called Glen Innes. Uh, interestingly enough, there's only one other Glen Innes in the world and it's a suburb of Auckland in New Zealand. Um, quite a different sort of place to us here in the Highlands. Um, and hence that uh, Archibald Mossman, yes, Mossman in Sydney was named after him and those long, long standing connections between Glen Innes and Mossman as well. So, uh, yes, quite strong with the Scottish heritage too. The other feature that um, for the Standing Stones to actually be here in Glen Innes, the Celtic Council put out the call for people, communities to put in some sort of idea for a project. The two criteria were that there had to be a natural source of granite, granite being so enduring, and that wherever the monument was to be placed, it was not to be overshadowed by anything else. So at 1,100 metres above sea level, that certainly tick the the bill here in Glen Innes for us so mm. yeah and it's a beautiful site isn't it I, I you know as most listeners know I, I run the croft up there and I get out of the car every morning and I just look across past the stones and the view over the town and and the surrounding countryside is just magnificent yeah. so it's a beautiful site it, it certainly has its own sense of of magic and aura and mystery if you're there um yes early morning and sort of late evenings you get beautiful sunsets up there mm. um if you're up there early in the morning you can see the fog down through the valley over gleniness itself so over the glen mm-hmm. um i have photos that someone sent me one christmas morning many years ago of um quite a large uh, deer um, buck up there and a doe and a little fawn it was a little family that was up there in the morning and the dawn ceremony that's run at the Celtic festival on the Saturday morning starts at quarter to five uh, quarter to six in the morning with um, sometimes some very frosty starts in the morning but the piper amongst the stones is always evocative but running that dawn ceremony I often see the kangaroos passing behind the crowd they they won't see <laughs> looking the opposite way but yeah it, it's really a very special place it is indeed um now the I guess the last question I have for you is um of all the things that happen in the course of the festival what's your favorite Am I allowed to ask that? <laughs> My favourite. Um, I, I find that difficult in that uh, each... There are lots of activities that happen at the festival that have very different elements and my favourite really is the festival itself. The way it operates and presents the huge variety of Celticness, um, both song and dance, the way it encompasses the ceremonial aspect, the way it encompasses the honoured guests, the way it encompasses... um, education, the symposium to find out more, the the beauty of the energy in town that it brings um, the week leading up to the festival. It's a real buzz and energy and it, it's, it's wonderful to have that uh, in small communities that uh, people are all focused on one thing, the joy of the street parade, the colour, the banners, the, the pomp and ceremony. It's not what you would see on every Saturday morning downtown <laughs> Glen Innes. Um, it, it's, yes, it's really hard to identify one particular thing. Um, one thing I do look forward to is perhaps having nothing to do at the festival one year so that I can actually <laughs> go and enjoy a whole variety of things that I don't necessarily get the time to do. But uh, it's wonderful welcoming uh, guests from out of town and overseas to really showcase Glen Innes. It's just wonderful. It is, isn't it? And um, we, I did neglect to mention a little bit, there is 
quite a bit going on around town. I know some of the businesses in town are already busy doing their special window displays. Yes, um, there's a competition for uh, window display. This year it's a bit difficult because a lot of um, shops do also like to acknowledge Anzac Day and, of course, Anzac Day on the Monday the 25th is the week leading into the festival. So it's very close this year. But, uh, again, it's just... The the way Gleninus presents to the world over Celtic Festival time is it, it's a community together striving for wonderful presentation. And I know having spoken to many honoured guests over the years, it's a comment that most of them make that the community just seems to be so together, so committed to it, um, and they just love seeing so many varieties of the presentation of the windows and, and people downtown and saying hello and how friendly the community is and welcoming and that's a wonderful aspect of our community. It is indeed and what a fantastic note to finish on you know um, Glen Innes is such a wonderful place to live in it's a great the festival is a great opportunity for us all to celebrate that. Um, so thank you very much for coming in this morning, Judy, dragging yourself out of bed on a Sunday morning, one of your rare opportunities yes. to actually stay there. But. A bit easier this morning. Um, sort of your, your body's awake an hour earlier than the clock tells you it is this morning, so that's not too bad. Indeed. So thank you very much, Judy. Thanks, Pamela. Um, now, just before um, I play my final song, uh, just... Um, a reminder that you are listening to Going Home, music from the Celtic homelands here on 2CBD FM in Glen Innes and Deepwater. Uh, as is my habit, I'm going to leave you with a runrig song. Um, this runrig song is May Morning, and I chose this specifically for the festival because, as we know, the Australian Celtic Festival takes place on the first on the weekend surrounding the first Sunday in May every year. So, what more appropriate song to finish with than May Morning? So, I'm going to head up to the Croft and get the coffee brewing, uh, and I will see you all next week.